Thank you for tuning in to Pastor Brian Hallam's podcast series. For more information on Pastor Brian and New Heights Church, please visit www.newheightschurch.info. We hope you enjoy today's message. There is a definition of love that's in the Scripture that we ought to strive for, we ought to try to be, we ought to try to go to, and not get hung up on the world's idea of love. Some of the things that we've talked about, we talked about the idea that love is a four-letter word. There are other four-letter words that will make you do crazy things as well, but love will make you do interesting things. Love will change your life. It'll cause you to drive further than you've ever driven. It'll cause you... uh, I drove yesterday, uh, uh, however far it is to Austin, just to have lunch with my brother, my, my family. And I'm not talking about us. I'm just saying we love them. So it makes sense for us to go and drive the two hours or however far it is just to go have lunch for an hour, hour and a half, and then turn around and drive back. Not because they are, not because we're going to go get something or we're going to give them something. It's because they love us and we love them. And that's the difference with love compared to the world's idea of love. The world's idea of love, if you read, pick up any magazine, it'll talk mostly about how you feel in a given moment. It'll talk about somebody's capacity to make you feel. And that being said, we should do our best to make our spouse or our loved ones feel special. But listen, love has nothing to do with that feeling. Love is a verb. Love is an action. Love is something that you make a decision to do day in and day out. And not just uh, right now and then later I'm going to forget about it. So many times, you know, I one time said, well, you ought to tell your wife you love her. So well, I told her when we got married, isn't that enough? No, it's not enough. You ought, to, you ought to be practicing to love. You ought to figure out what love means when the Bible talks about love. The Bible says over and over again, it teaches us about different offices. It talks about the fivefold ministry. But it also talks about the offices that are involved in a godly household. Talks about what a husband ought to be to his wife. Talks about what a wife ought to be to her husband. Went through those things. If you missed any of these, uh, you can go get them on the podcast and listen to them. I don't want to waste time by going back over it. Your relationship with God is overwhelmingly critical in any relationship. If you think about Adam, Adam had a relationship with God long before Eve ever came on the scene. That's not to say anything other than to say this right here. You ought to work on your relationship with God as a primary number one. Because here's the thing. When you work on your relationship with God, you're not choosing to have a bad relationship in another area. When you work on your relationship with God, by default, the other ones get better. By default, things begin to straighten out. The Bible says in Song of Solomon that it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little foxes that steal the fruit. It's the little foxes in life that come in and break up a relationship. It's the subtle things. It's the fact that you never said thank you. It's the fact that you were always ugly when you came home from work. It's the fact that you were always grumpy when you woke up in the morning. It's the fact that you gave too much time to somebody else who you had no business giving any time to. It's the little foxes. It's not the big things that blow up. The big things are what come later. But you've got to be careful. You've got to look. You've got to pay attention to the guys that climb ice walls with those uh, really neat shaped little hatchets. And they climb and they got spikes on their feet. They're not looking for the big crevice. They'll dodge that. They're looking for that little crack. And that little crack exposes. That little crack shows weakness. That little crack shows an area 
where it might be suspect to breaking. It's the little foxes in our life that constantly cause problems. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. It's the most widely used scripture reference in any and all marriage. It's the most widely used scripture reference at every wedding. And we're going to work through the whole chapter. We're going to try to do it very quickly. But I want to make sure that you have a good foundation on what love is. Love is not something that you uh, feel and then when you don't feel it, you then begin to move the other direction. Love is a decision that you ought to make. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 and verse number 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity. Every time it says charity here, it's the word love. I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and I have not love, I am nothing. Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. We talked about the gifts a minute ago. We talked about some of the wonderful gifts that God gives us. Right here the scripture says you could flow in any gift imaginable. But if you do not have love, you are just making unnecessary racket. If you do not have love, if you don't have charity, you are nothing when it comes to the kingdom of God because the whole kingdom balances on love. The whole thing revolves around love. The whole thing is weighed on love. If you can't get... Here's the thing. The more spiritual you get, the more spirit, the more enlightened you get, the more love ought to ooze out of you. You know, Jesus was walking around, and I don't understand everything about him, but one of the things that I got a good picture of is I got a good picture of hurting people running to him. I got a good picture of children running to him. I got a good picture of people who were uh, uh, very lofty in position would come to him at nighttime and say, can I just get a few minutes with you because I'm hurting and I'm confused and I'm trying to figure it out. Jesus was the most spiritual and is the most spiritual man that ever walked the planet earth, yet everybody felt like they could approach him. If you're so spiritual that people who are not saved feel as though they can't have access to you. I would question whether or not your spirituality is grounded in love. The Bible says this, and it said, well, we may read it later, but it says that they will know that we are in fact Christian. They'll know we're disciples of Jesus. They'll know who we are, not because of the fact that we speak in tongues, not because of the fact that we like to sing loud, not because of the fact that we lift our hands and nobody else lifts their hands, not because of the fact that we say, God bless you when somebody sees instead of just bless you, not because of any of those things. They will know because of our love for another. How good ought we be at love if his Bible says God is love? Verse number three. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, have not love, it profit me nothing. There's nothing wrong with giving. We're big givers. We're big givers in this church. We're big givers. Everybody in the kingdom ought to be a giver. If you see somebody in need and you can meet that need, a lot of times you don't have to pray about it. Just go meet the need. If you see somebody, I'll never forget one time. 
I was going by and I heard a guy tell this story one time. He said, he said, man, he said, I was on my roof and, and, and I was, I was, I was flooded out and I was trying to figure out how I'm going to get off my roof because I couldn't go anywhere. And I'm sitting there and I'm praying, God, help me, help me, help me, God, help me, help me, help me. And a neighbor comes over and, and he's in a boat and he says, come on. He goes, no, I'm waiting on God. And then all of a sudden a helicopter flies by, drops down a ladder, says, come on up. He says, no, I'm waiting on God. Then the water rises and the man drowns. He gets to heaven. And he says, Lord, I was praying. I thought you were going to save me. He said, I sent a boat and a helicopter. What else you want? (laughs) So many times we have access to meet a need like the man with the boat or the man with the helicopter. But we think we need to hear a burning bush tell us to do the right thing. Nordstrom, one of the really nice stores, uh, really nice department stores uh, in America. They do just great things. They're, they're renowned for customer service. Their entire rule book is, is, is formed on this one rule. There's only one rule. Use good judgment at all times. So many times us Christians, we get to the place where we think God's going to give us walking orders every morning. That's not faith. Faith is what you don't know. Faith is what you don't see. Faith is what you don't hear. Yet you continue to press towards the mark. Faith is loving in the face of adversity. Verse number four. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself up. It's not puffed up. I'm going to read a different translation. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not envious. It does not brag. It's not puffed up. The minute you find yourself Not being patient. Don't lie to yourself. You are not loving that person. The minute that you find yourself not being kind, what do you mean being kind? Please, thank you. Being kind to me might be different than being kind to my wife. My wife being kind to me might mean uh, she makes me a cup of coffee at noon. Because I like coffee all day. She doesn't like coffee all day. So for her to be kind to me and to make me a cup of coffee, if I brought her the John Wayne black coffee that I drink, that wouldn't me be that would not be me being kind to her. Me being kind to her would be, hey baby, here's a crystal light, or here's a here's a cold bottle of water, or here's a here's a, here's a smoothie, the things that she likes. Me being kind to her. Don't be all uh, uh, anxious and not patient with your loved one, but also be kind. This is just the Bible. We're not, we're not trying to stretch it into something that it's not. We're not trying to make it. There's, there's parts of the Scripture where you say, okay, I read that and it ties with this Scripture and this Scripture and this Scripture. But the bottom line is this one's just real clear. Let's just be patient with one another. Let's just be kind along the way. The Bible says in verse number uh, uh, 5, it says, does not, behave, does not behave itself unseemly. Doesn't seek not, seeks not her own. It's not easily provoked and it thinks not evil. New English translation says this. It is not rude. That's an easy one to understand. When's the last time you were rude to your spouse? It's quiet. Did you know I've seen husbands and wives that would be more polite to the waiter at Chili's than they are to each other. God bless the waiter at Chili's. But you ought to be polite with your husband and your spouse. If y'all are wanting to get married, 
There's plenty of those in the church right now. People that are uh, they're engaged. They're going to get married. If you're wanting to get married, get it right. Be kind. Listen, just determine by faith I'm not going to be rude. Now, that does not mean that sometimes you won't drop the ball. The difference is when you drop the ball, you say, I'm sorry. You go back and you say, I'm going to restore that thing. Sometimes it might mean uh, uh, two bottles of water instead of one bottle of water. But the bottom line is, is love is not rude. Love is not self-serving. It doesn't seek, it seeks not her own, the Bible says. It's not self-centered. It's not easily angered or resentful. If you find yourself constantly thinking, what do I want? Why isn't he doing what I want? Why isn't she doing what I want? Why isn't that person recognizing the need that I have? Listen, that's not love. That's called self-centered. Did you know most of this stuff, if parents would just teach it to their children when they're little, we wouldn't have half the problems we have today. Did you know that in the world, the divorce rate is 50%? That means it's a coin toss. It's just like the referee standing on the 50-yard line, flipping the coin up and down. It's just like the referee sitting there saying, heads or tails. It's not that way in the kingdom. The promises of God are yes and amen. When you join together with your spouse, you become one person. So literally, at that point, divorce becomes cutting a person in half, and we'd never want to do that. But along the way, you've got to start wherever you are. If you say, you know what, I was here, I was there, you've got to start where you are, and you say, I'm just not going to be self-centered. I'm going to find out what they love. I'm going to find out what they need, and that's what I'm going to do. The Bible continues to say it's not easily angered or resentful. The Bible says, uh, in verse number 6, it says, Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. It's not glad about injustice, but rejoices in truth. It's not glad about injustice, it doesn't rejoice in iniquity. How many times have you heard somebody say this? I'm just like my daddy. He had a short fuse and I got a short fuse. That's just the way I'm going to be. I'm just like my uncle. He had a bad temper. I had a bad temper. I'm just like so-and-so. I've got a wondering eye, and my daddy had a wondering eye, and I'm just always going to have to look this way, and that's the way she's just going to have to get over it. I'm just looking. This is nonsense, guys. Ladies, I always get my way. I always. I tell it how it is. I don't care who's listening. I don't care why it's listening. I'm going to speak my mind when I want to speak my mind. Find that in the Bible. That's called iniquity. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 that he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and by his stripes we're healed. I'll do this quickly. He was wounded for the things that are on the outside that we see that we know. You cut somebody off in traffic, flip them off, that's wrong. That's a sin. Don't be flipping people off in traffic just for the heck of it, or really for any reason. But either way, that's an outward sin. And the Bible says that he was wounded. You could visually see where he paid the price for the transgressions, for the sins of our life. But then the Bible continues to say that he was bruised. A bruise is bleeding under the skin. It's a, it's a, uh, it's, it's a sore. It's something that hurts on the, on the, on the, underneath of the skin. And iniquity is the same thing. Iniquity is something that you can't put your finger on, but you just know you got a bad temper. 
Where did you get the bad temper? It came from generation to generation. Just like a generational blessing can come from generation to generation. Iniquitous nature is passed down from person to person. And if you'll deal with it, your children won't have to deal with it. But either way, you get to a place where you're sitting there and the Bible says that you should not rejoice in iniquity. Don't walk around saying, I'm just that way. My daddy was that way. I'm going to be that way. Walk around saying, my daddy served God to the day he died, and by God, I'm going to serve God to the day I die. Begin to rejoice in the truth of God. Begin to rejoice in the good things of God. But don't get it. That's the world, y'all. Be ye separate, so says the Scripture. Be separate from the world. Don't just be living this life saying, he saved me. I'm going to do whatever I want to do, say what I want to say, whatever I want to say, and be whatever I want to be. That's not in the Bible either. We got to get to the place where love becomes the standard in our life. Verse number seven bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It bears all things. That's a very interesting word. It means to cover with silence and conceal the errors and faults of others. This applies to your spouse, especially. But not just not just your spouse. You're going to find out when you get close to people. Or maybe you don't even get close to people. I remember one time, I got a friend of mine, he kind of told the story uh, at the men's meeting that, that he was driving to church and, and this guy, uh, he cut this guy off because he's not a good driver. No, I'm just kidding. It's Johnny, by the way. He's driving. I don't know if he cut the guy off or not, but this guy looks over and flips him the bird and shoots in front of him. And Kim's going, I think that's so-and-so. Johnny said, well, that sure is. So now he's smiling because he knows they're going to church too. <laughs> so he pulls in the parking lot, follows him around the parking lot, and parks right next to him, jumps out and said, morning, God bless you, brother. <laughs> and the guy's like, I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. Now, Johnny is not doing this very well because this says conceal the errors of others. I'm just kidding. He was testifying about the goodness of God because the guy, I mean, the guy's a soul winner. But all I'm telling you is you're going to find out some negative things. You know, at the end of the day, and if not the end of the day, at least by morning, everybody's breath stinks. <laughs> You've got to get to the place where you're willing to cover up the negative things that you find out about somebody else. You're going to have a lot of opportunities. In almost every relationship. But listen, especially in a marriage, it ought to be the norm that your wife or your husband never question if you're going to expose one of those secret things about you. It's just different when you live for God. It's not like the world. Love for real is defined in Scripture. Love in the world's eyes. Effectively is nonsense. Verse number 8. Love never ends. But if there are prophecies, they will be set aside. If there are tongues, they'll cease. If there's knowledge, it'll be set aside. For we know in part, verse 9, and we prophesy in part, verse 10. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, and I understood as a child, I thought as a child. And when I became a man, I put away... Childish things. Verse 12. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, know I now, now I know in part, but then shall I know even also as I am known. 
Right now, you have to remember that love will never fail. For that loved one that we were praying about earlier during prayer partner time, love never fails. God's not going to stop loving them. It's just a matter of that right seed, of that right time when they turn it around and come back. Right now, the Bible says that we know in part, meaning uh, we don't know everything about the kingdom like we're going to know when we're face to face with Jesus. That's one of the reasons why he gave us the gifts. That's one of the reasons why we have healing and, and the working of miracles, because right now in the current dispensation that we're in, there's still sin, there's still sickness, there's still pain, there's still hurt, there's still heartache. That's why he gives us the gifts of God so that we can manifest the portion of his kingdom in this, in this, in this dispensation until we get to that dispensation. But when you're face to face with Jesus and there's joy unspeakable that never ends and every tear will be wiped away from your eye and you're walking on streets of gold and nobody's sick and everybody's got a mansion when you're in that place you won't have to speak in tongues it won't give you any benefit to pray in the Holy Ghost in that moment none of these gifts make any sense whenever you get to a place where there's none of the negativity so it's a place right now where we know in part we see in part we prophesy in part but there's a day coming when the trump of God's going to sound and the dead in Christ will rise those are still alive will be caught up to meet him in the air and forever and always we will be with him in glory. There'll be a thousand year millennial reign here on earth where there's going to be where Jesus is literally just going to rule and reign the earth the way God intended for it in the beginning. But the bottom line is there's no need for the other stuff when you get to the perfect part. Now listen, there's a lot of places that teach that this is proof that the gifts don't exist anymore or not in operation. There's churches today right now that will teach you that because of this chapter of the Bible where it says when that which is perfect has come, they say that it's talking about the Bible being completed. Well, number one, the Bible wasn't really put together in the form that we use uh, until, until almost 15 hundred years later. So from that standpoint, this is nonsense. The other thing I can tell you is whenever I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, not only did God show me a picture of my wife, I literally prophesied exactly where she lived. I met her 30 days later, clubbed her over the head and drug her to my cave. (laughs) What I'm telling you is the gifts of God are in operation, but right now we see in part. The Bible says here that we see through a glass darkly. So you say, well, how come babies still die? We see through a glass darkly. There's some answers I just don't have. How come there's still starving people in this portion of the world? How come there's still starving people in this portion of the world? We see through a glass darkly. I don't know. What I know is His mercy endures forever. So along the way, we have to stay focused that we are ambassadors of His kingdom in this kingdom. Give God a hand of praise. We're almost done. Verse number 13. And now abideth, and these things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8 ends with God is love. The Bible says that 1 Corinthians 13 is a great definition of love. It's His definition of love. So when you think about God, don't think about the taskmaster trying to issue out judgment. Exactly the opposite. 
The Bible says that God is love, which means God is patient. God is kind. God is long-suffering with you. God endures. He bears all things. That's why whenever you take something to God, you don't have to wonder if He's going to go and tell all your negative secrets to somebody down the road. He's just good at it. But so oftentimes we find out what the Bible says love is, but we try to figure out how to properly apply it. To my right, y'all's left, there is a six-inch tulip. I know that because I read the little sticker when I bought it. I know nothing about six-inch tulips other than what you can see. I see that it's green. I see that uh, uh, one day it might produce a flower of some sort. Something might open up. There's a little red patch, so it might be a red flower. But I love this plant. And in an effort to show you guys how much I love this plant, I just want to pour my love on it. I want to show you guys how much I love this plant. So I got some Folgers coffee. And plant, I'm going to call you Thule. I love you. I mean, I really love you. There's nothing I... You are my favorite plant ever. That's how much I care about this plant. You could be hungry after all that coffee. So I got you a banana. You're getting pretty tall. You're growing. I don't know how much banana you'd like, but here, you can have the whole thing. And I know you like bananas. Or I know that banana's good for you. But I also love spicy food. So I got you some Tony Sasheries. She's raising the roof for Tony Sasheries. Can I get a witness? That's for you. And when you finish all that, Thule, I got you some dessert. I got you some M&M's at you. And Tony's is strong for you to finish when you're done with all that. Here's the deal. I love coffee. I like bananas. I like Tony Sashtries. And I like M&M's. But that plant has no use in any of it. Gentlemen, your wife is worth discovering. If you're going to love your wife, and let's just talk about this plant. If I'm going to love this plant, I've got to find out what this plant loves. I've got to find out what this plant needs. I've got to find out what kind of tulip are you? How much water should I give you? What type of miracle grow should I get you? What, what should I do to help you become the creation that God has called you and created you to be? Ladies, find out what He needs. You might need a little time. You might need to talk. He might just want a little quiet She might just want a little quiet. Whatever. Find out what she needs. Find out what he needs and give them that. 
It, this, this doesn't do this plant any good for me to give this plant what I like and what I love and that would benefit me. Why in the world are you giving your wife or your husband what benefits you? Here's the other thing. If I went to the store today, if I read a book about six-inch tulips, and I said, okay, I need to get this kind of miracle grow. I need to water it twice a day, and I even need to talk to it, which is kind of weird. And I went and got all of that stuff. What are you coughing about? This stuff's bad, man. <laughs> and I found out about it. And I said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to find out what this plant needs. And then I went and got it. I went to the, to the, to the co-op, which I love to go to the co-op. which I had like a million cows. I'd buy so much stuff there. And you get the stuff and you, you give it to you say, okay, here's just the right miracle grow. Did you know that instantly that tulip wouldn't just open up and say, here I am. Think about a little baby. Come, you get them, you feed them, you give them milk. And the only thing they give you for two months is wet and dirty diapers. It's two months before a baby is even capable of smiling. But a loving father and a loving mother never looks at that baby and says, here's a ribeye. Here's the keys to the car. Have fun. They say, how much formula, baby? Shaking it up. Did you wash this towel? Good. Did you wash your hands before you picked her up? Because you're trying to give the baby what the baby needs. And it can't even give you a smile yet. How much ought we, with our loved ones, to give them what they need? To learn. I would encourage you, just just make it a point. Say, this year I'm going to read a book about strengthening my marriage. Even if you're not married, I'm going to read a book about being married. I'm going to prepare to be married. I'm going to work towards being married. I'm going to work on this. If your car starts to make a funny sound, guys, first thing you want to do is check the oil, check this, check that. When something goes wrong in a marriage, start checking stuff. Work it out. Because at the end of the day, she needs what you can give. He needs what you can And he needs what you can give. But you need different things. I like bananas, M&M's, Folgers, and Tony Sacheries, except I don't like to breathe it, apparently. That plant needs something altogether different. Stand to your feet, if you would, please. Thank you for listening. For more information on Pastor Brian and New Heights Church, please visit www.newheightschurch.info.